0: Welcome to the Data Stack Show, where we talk with data engineers, data teams, data scientists, and the teams and people consuming data products. I'm Eric Dodds. And I'm Kostas Pardalis. Join us each week as we explore the world of data and meet the people shaping it. Welcome to the Data Stack Show. Today, we are going to talk all about AI. We have a very accomplished AI practitioner, Duke Haba. He was most recently at Cognizant doing AI consulting work. And my burning question for Duke is around how people perceive AI. And he has some really interesting thoughts on the way that AI is perceived by the public. And he talks a lot about sort of misplaced fear and misplaced trust. We'll dig into that. Costas sends his regards. He had some trouble with his internet connections, so he'll join us on the next show. So let's dive in and talk with Duke. Welcome back to the Data Stack Show. Eric Dodds here. Costas had some internet issues, so unfortunately he can't uh, be here to co-host, but I'm really excited to talk to our guest, Duke Haba, who is a consultant in many things AI and came into consulting from Cognizant. Duke, thank you so much for joining us on the Data Stack Show.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: All right. Well, give us, you have, you know, a varied background in AI. You've worked at, you know, small startups, you've worked at big companies. So just a quick, you know, one or two minute overview of your background would be great. Sure,
1: sure, sure. So, you know, started school in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. CS majors, go to Xerox, the Upset New York, then go to Xerox Park, where I do most of my research on AI. Back then we called it expert systems. I uh, have a big dream on rule based system, but didn't turn out so well rule based system uh, wise. Then, after a while, I joined Oracle, working as uh, the principal uh, architect in their web groups. From there on, they do a bunch of startups, some very successful, uh, some not so successful. Oh, I forgot to mention one, one of the ones who is somewhat successful is like a can work with, with LaValburn, which, as you tracky friend know, that would be Jordi from Star Trek called Reading Rainbow app.
0: Reading reading Rainbow, I was gonna say LeVar Burton, he's a a part of my childhood.
1: Same here, Lucy, I'm starstruck. when I work with them on on that project, I like, oh my God, they love Auburn. And the crazy thing is, you know, every time we go, we're in San Francisco, every time we go to lunch, is that I can take him to the place I go 10 times before, no one ever know who I am. He come in and just every stop. Heavy, have line of talk to him. i like, dude, I hear it like, you know, doesn't have time. No one knows who I am. <laughs> but it's just amazing. The guy is super nice. The guy's just super, super nice. Love all. Yeah. Very so anyway, cool. yeah. So anyway, uh, after a bunch of startups, some not working so well, joined Cognizance, fine half year doing senior solution architect, well, senior mobility solution architect and AI scientist. And recently, work on my own with a bunch of friends doing doing pretty much neural networks or artificial neural network type of work, data cleansing, building model for image recognitions, and, and what have.
0: Well, Duke, I so let's when you and I connected before the show, you brought up the phrase demystifying AI, and I yes. couldn't be more excited to do an episode on this because, you know, I'm. I'm far far less technical and I think I fall into a group of people for whom you know you sort of know a little bit of what's going on under the hood with AI and then you see all of the publicity around AI and those two things don't line up a lot and somehow AI has developed a little bit of a shroud of mystery and one of our previous guests who does some AI stuff we t- we talked about AI briefly on the episode but he said AI is kind of developing a bad brand cuz you know people don't necessarily understand it. So, first question, what is AI? Give us the non-mysterious definition that you know both technical yes. and non-technical people can understand.
1: Yep. The sim I've been working in expert system and AI for years and years now since so college onward is that there's no clear definition of AI. That means no one agree on what AI is. So the short answer is anything is AI uh, from chess program to, you know, from Facebook to Alexa, to series to self-driving cars because we have no clear or conclusive definition of what AI is. So anything is AI. In, in college and universities, a lot of professors and a lot of those who write white papers we'll we'll use the term AI also very broadly. And the thing to AI is really broad as a field. I'm not expert in AI. I'm expert in artificial neural network, which is a sub-branch of that whole big field. And so the clear definition is that if you have something as a baseline, and if if this machine can do better than your baseline, therefore it's an AI. Uh, Let me give you an example, clear example. Let's say you and I play flipping coin, right? The baseline is that there are 50-50 chance we can call head or tail. If I build a program or a new network or just computing algorithm programs, that can predict 75% correctly. That's pretty good. Because that's better than what we human perceive as intelligence, mm. right? And then using the same example, if I actually can de- do that, I can take the same same idea, go to Las Vegas and play roulette. I can put in black and white. Well, it's not exactly 50-50, the house has slight percentage over it. But I still, if I got 75% correct predicting red or black, dude, I can make a lot of money.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's the type <laughs> of AI that everyone wants.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And people are like, why, why can you do that? Well, in my field, I need a lot of what are called. First, I need a baseline, see what a baseline is. The second big thing I need is called label data. I need a bunch of label data if I can train on that field. So I mean, the the thing that makes it so confusing is not only Hollywood, make it like terminator three, AI kill everybody, to to business who claim right now every claim to have AI. And nobody can tell them they're lying because there's no clear definition. You know, it's it's not sure. like I like apple pie. I have apple pie. Well, I can prove it, what an apple pie is. And the thing that makes consulting like myself or a lot of people like who work in business, when we do build AI for older people, become a big problem because you cannot tell me, hey, do go build me an AI portal site on AI curated uh, podcast. Well, what exactly is the baseline? You know, mm. uh, what, what I'm trying to do? So a lot of business, uh, when I do consulting work, I always have problem with, with the, I have to tell the client, well, first let's start with what the baseline is, what the base model can do, and it's a data for me to do better than the baseline. Yeah, so I know it's a, it's, it's a feel got bad rap because there are so much things, sort of mistrust and mm-hmm. misplaced fear put into AI, just like, Last November, I'd, uh, on TED Talk, a really knowledgeable person come up and talk about what his topic is, intimate danger of AI. And I listened to the whole thing. i like, oh. he writes in so many ways, but he misplaced all the fears. Hmm. So his whole his thing, for example, is in with, with Facebook newsfeed, right? It's Yes, there's an AI by the scene who recommend, hey, Duke, you should watch more of this video. Hey, Duke, you should... Watch more of this, more sports, or more do yourself videos, DIY. So it is an AI, and he said that actually changed people behavior, and it changed how people people learn about new things as well as hmm. how people behave in society. And he is right, but his conclusion there, there you go. See that's why we're so afraid of AI. Sure. I'm like, no, I don't think that that's totally misplaced, right? Because that model of AI of you know, the newsfeed, the decision to make make sure people spend more time on on YouTube and make sure people click through more of of the related products next to it. So that was the thing that the AI trained to do on 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 YouTube. But that is a human decision. That's some VP who make that decision. It's not the AI who make decisions, right? Mm exact same setup, the same model, if I put into different data and I label them differently, let's say my goal is for Duke to explore new educational stuff on YouTube. If that's my goal, I can use the exact same model to train it. And the mm. result will be totally different, right? So the fear is misplaced. It's not the AI fault, it's the VP fault who make that is their goal. That yeah. makes
0: sense. At all, R- really interesting perspective, right? It's it's the intention behind the technology, but people sort of place the they they ask the they ask the technology to bear the responsibility for what happens. Okay, that so misplaced fear, and then you mentioned misplaced trust. So that was a really great example of misplaced misplaced fear. Give mm-hmm. us an example of misplaced trust in AI. What does yes. it look like on the other side of the coin?
1: Yes. Um. So the other thing too, because of Hollywood, we keep thinking of AI artificial intelligence. It's super intelligent. Like, you know, it's big giant brain somewhere in, in, in Google. So people always expect the highest behaviors, right? So there are AI systems that are able to look at skin a uh, leisure and tell you whether it's cancer or not. And it's better than human. And uh, Google translation also done by neural network is on par ex- with expert humans, right? So the so the mistrust is when AI stumble, make a mistake, like self-driving car, right? The thing is that we should not have that high expectation for for what I call digital intelligence, right? I, I play chess, for example. Yes, I can write a program that beat me in chess, and uh, I'm nowhere close to master level. I mean, I, I like with the junior league level. But I am intelligent, so machine can beat me, therefore it's also intelligence. But I don't expect it to be beating the grandmaster of chess. So I think the, the mistrust came when AI made a mistake. again, AI make a mistake because people like me don't don't clear the data well enough or didn't didn't do some data biasing. So two big thing I keep go back and, and forth is is data biases and, uh, and baseline. Because of how I feed in data, how I teach the models, it's not perfect. So if your expectation always something is perfect, if you make one mistake, you throw it out. I think that's so unfair so to to the digital intelligence, right?
0: Sure.
1: And and our expectations always like you have to be better than human, have to be like perfect, 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 which is which is impossible for an AI to live up to that expectation. Mm.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's reminding me. I, I you know, I come from a, a background in growth and marketing, and there is a lot of talk in that arena about applying AI to advertising, and that will solve all your problems. And and people charge an immense amount of money for you know sort of products that do that, and there are a lot of people who have been very disappointed, you know, because of all the factors that you mentioned. Right? You have to have yeah. a lot of the right data. You have to set your expectations. There's time for the model to learn. I mean, there there's just so many factors that go into it. It's not it's not necessarily plug and play depending on the context. But I will say, um, thinking about AI as plug and play you had mentioned before the show this concept between sort of publicly available ai and then hidden ai and that yeah. to me was i think a really insightful point on people group ai mm-hmm. into sort of a single term but the ways that we experience it and sort of the you know the products or experiences that leverage ai are really, really fundamentally different. And could you yes. just tell us a little bit about sort of public versus hidden AI? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Public AI, for example, like Apple series, Alexa, self-driving cars, and those are other that we, we do on a daily basis. And in most cases, still is pretty good, right? I mean, beginning all wrong now, it's pretty good, but still can trip it up, right? Yeah. So that expectation is still high. Expectation has been like, you know, you have to be perfect, like, if I call to you, Eric, and ask you a question, I expect you to give me the right answer all the time. Sure. Like, that would be like, you know, I can't put expectation on you, but yet I put expectation on, on series. However, on business side, we do a, what I call Hint AI, with AI run behind the scene. Actually, you'd be surprised to learn how much AI actually take over the business world in terms mm. of some key decision. And let me give you a clear example. I work with one insurance company who trying to build basically an adjusters. You know, when you and I got into a car accident, got all data together, first design, who fought who 50 but one percent more fought from, from which side of the parties, and working all the all to the, the plan that I buy and how much I should should pay, and how much the insurance company should to reimburse me on it. And that is, Behind the scene, that actually it's a neural net to deciding that goal, hmm. and it's something people scare because it's something you cannot opt out. You and I can opt out from 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 Facebook or Twitter, but we can't opt out when it come to pay insurance,
0: right? Interesting. Um, sure.
1: And the thing is, a business like they know that it's not perfect systems. That's why they have a people in between. So it's not like we submit the data and outcome your your payment, and you have to follow it. Someone, a person in between will look at that recommendation and okay or not okay based on that. But the expectation in business and even to Facebook, recommend recommend feed or YouTube recommend feed, they don't expect to be 100% correct, right? But behind the scenes, companies say, well, that's better than what we got now. They're better than our baseline, right? If our baseline just randomly pick out what popular out there and so that's a baseline but if this can do better than that we'll use it instead we don't expect it to be 100 correct we don't expect you to see that anything feed to your facebook is what, exactly what you needed when you need it same thing with youtube but the expectation for public ai is that we want it to be perfect i want you know mm. I, I want siri never make a mistake when i ask the questions i want sure self-driving car never crash or have, you know, fender benders or never be above the speed limit. Right. Um, so I uh, think the two different have different expectations and there are more work in the hidden AI side on the public AI side.
0: It, you know, it sounds like, and it, it makes sense as I think through this that fear seems to be more associated with hidden AI. Public AI, I'm just thinking about Siri, And I mean, it is shockingly good. Right. And Alexa is shockingly good. Right. I mean, just things, I mean, it's weird because you think about, well, you know, of course, you know, you know, I can understand different voices, right. From Mm -hmm. people in my family. Right. But, but the fact that Alexa can do that is pretty amazing with the level of accuracy, but it isn't perfect. Right. It gets stuff wrong. Mm -hmm. And so that I haven't I haven't thought of this before this conversation, but that actually makes me more comfortable with it because I know that it's not perfect, right? Whereas right, right. something behind something that I can't see, I don't necessarily know when it's getting things, you know, right or wrong or even where it's at relative to the yeah. baseline. Whereas that's like a visceral experience with public yeah, AI. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and and I think I think that that is that mistrust is in place of fairness, right? So, on to how I train the data biases, right? If, if I know my data is biased, some clear example gave, you know, like skin colors, people look in training data only with Caucasian. But actually, the the more uh, more realistic example is that right now there are people training AI to do triage, right? So when you first come in, you would say, if for COVID nineteen or just regular triage or in war. So let's figure, okay, can this be saved? Can this, you know, pain, enough pain or so, error more pain, get him in first. So three hours is a really important thing, right? It really life and death situation in some time. Can we trust a neural network to do that, right? So my point is that if you set up a baseline, how well can the nurse or the doctor do that in the hospital? Let's say, I don't know percentage, I just make one up. Let's say the 80%. Uh, correct. If an AI network can build up to 90, 93%, I think we should use it because it's better than workout Export and it, it doesn't bog down with you know the day-to-day problem that might affect a person. But they say what if the data trained not trained correctly? Let's say I never trained the data with old people. I mean that obvious uh, bias. Let's say I never train them with old people, so when Opal comes come in and they always diagnose it wrong, right? So I think the mistrust is not of the AI; they should mistrust on how well the data represent when you mm. train that model. Does that sure. make sense?
0: Sure. Yeah, you know it's interesting. The it, and I want to move on to a couple of a couple of real world examples mm-hmm. just from different contexts but i will say just thinking about sort of mistrust trust public hidden ai it is really interesting ai seems to sort of press on moral or ethical questions way more than lots of other technologies and i you know it seems i'm not an expert on this and i haven't spent a ton of time thinking about it but when we th- we generally experience technology as something that we have full control over or at least sort of have the ability to configure at a very detailed level but when technology begins to make decisions it really pushes on sort of this these moral and ethical questions that we have right because it's yeah. it's it is making decisions right and even the way that yeah. i talk about it right i'm personifying code right like yep. it, <laughs> just, and, which and, is crazy
1: yeah and, and i think the thing is that why i want to demystify ai so people know like. You know, we, the AI scientist uh, world, we're same as everyone else, make the same mistakes people do. We didn't de- demystify, it so that way you can say, hey, wait a minute, this system is biased, a bias against me, you know, for any number of reasons you think. And you can write them and say, I think your data is biased. Did have you train your data with my profile, with people like me, if, if something dealing with, you know, a uh, personal matter like medical or something like that. So the more people understand about how a i build, then the less fear you have about it right and sure say, oh, yeah, yeah i I could see why I could see why people mistrust a i for me is that you know the the casing point on on YouTube is that it is it's a senior v p who make that decision you know it's not it's not a i magically and sure. and a i doesn't have consciousness by the way, so sure yeah
0: it, well, you know before we jump into the examples, I actually think it's worth digging into the technical side a little bit because mm-hmm. one thing that I think, and I mean, we have our audiences full of really smart developers, many of whom are immersed in the world of AI and AI practitioners, right. but we also have people who are more on the data engineering side, right? are maybe less exposed to the specifics of AI. Mm-hmm. But one thing when you talk about training a model is that there's a threshold for an amount of data that's needed in order to produce sort of what you, like the desired results on the other end, right? And so there can be in many ways a quantity problem, right? I mean, a lot of, if you're a startup and you want to do AI with your data, I mean, many startups are limited simply because they just don't have enough of their own data to to train yep. a model, right? It takes a lot of data. You do this type of work every day. So help us understand what is the, what is the economy of scale that you need in terms of data, right? And we mm-hmm. can even use specific examples. So let's say, right. you know, if you want to build a triage system or insurance mm-hmm. claim adjuster, how many data points are we talking?
1: Yep. So that actually real good question. That question also happened in business all the time. And the real answer is, I don't know. We don't know until we build your system. <laughs> then we're, oh, don't have enough data. It didn't converge. Uh, but the good news, uh, the, the good news is that we have something called transfer learnings. For example, let's take real example of something really easy, like whether the mole on your skin, you know, does uh, cancer or not, or recognize faces in your family. Make sure all these people are from your family. In those cases, surprise, you don't need a lot of data at all because we use transfer learning, meaning we use like a ResNet 34, a ResNet 50, ResNet 101. Those models have been trained over millions and millions of images already. So it already know a whole lot of things about color, edges, it just know a lot. So enable for me to train, I take that as a model. By the way, a if a simplistic term, a model is like a big function. So I take that big math function, i have preset. Parameter for me already. I just train it a little bit on what I need. Another for like for skin cancer, you probably need something less than two or three thousand images, would label images before you can actually train it and converge correctly. And of course, you set up your base model and show you base model better than that. More data always can get your model more accuracy above beyond that. So the, the number of data you need is really important. is how how the model, how the accuracy model come out to be. But with today technologies, uh, especially transfer learning and fast AI make it really easy to use uh, transfer learning. Hmm. You can surprisingly build a lot of fun things. For example, I, for fun with my niece and nephew, we want to build something recognized form animal. So you can walk around with a phone, take up a picture and say, "This is a cow a goat or a duck and what have you. Oh, fun. Yeah. So I did that, and I got all the niece and nephew run around with their camera, take pictures, and they can do, you know, some searching on on Google and and Bing search. That's some images, but mostly from their own pictures. That, and all we need, I think, all together we have a little bit over eight thousand images, and we can tell different between nine uh, between nine different animal animals, and it converts to ninety eight percent accuracy. Oh wow! So um, to let people know is that. The easiest way for business to get started out with AI is just try it. Yes, data is important, but you don't know how much data you need until you try to train it. And your model will quickly can tell you, oh, it will not converge, You need more data than that. Or, or you find out the data you have wasn't labeled correctly, or it does have too many biases, right? So the whole point, if I take only pictures for my example of, of the farm animal, if I only take only picture from Google or Bing, they're all perfect photograph picture of chickens and dogs. But that, that's how kids take pictures, right? Kids picture mm. never perfect. They're never lightning put anything. Sure. So if I train only on those models, it may converge while giving high high accuracy, but in real-world test, it's just not well. I mean, they, they sure. are too biased for professional pictures. Does that, that makes sense?
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, it's... I I am actually just during this conversation, just becoming more aware of my own sort of biases when it comes to how I view AI, right? Because like many things, and you didn't exactly say it this way, so I'll extrapolate a little bit, but like many things, the answer to a lot of these questions is it depends, right? And your baseline, and then the specific thing that you're trying to accomplish drastically, you know, can drastically change the way that you're sort of leveraging AI, you know, and so it's, it's just interesting, right? It's very Mm -hmm. easy to think of AI as, well, you just give it anything and it'll figure out how to make it, make use of it, right? (laughs) (laughs) But that's not, that's not right. But, and I know that from a technical standpoint, but as I hear you saying that, I'm like, yeah, well, like, can't AI just figure that out, right? But then in the back of my mind, I'm saying like, of course not. I'm having so much fun in this conversation. I, I skipped over some examples. So I want to be sensitive to time here. That was a really fun example. But why don't you give us maybe one of the most interesting AI projects you've worked on in a business?
1: Yes, actually, I, I think before this, I wrote down three. Let me pick one of those three. Okay, I'll pick, this is a project, a little bit of a background of project. So I was with this a car car company, a really big car company in Detroit, automobile in Detroit. So working on some, you know, data transformation, IT work behind the scene with them. And when I meet one of um, the marketing person just during lunchtime, and we're talking like, hey, and they know I'm in AI and we have you. hey, you know, we need something fun with AI on, on a trade show, worldwide called trade show that do every year. And I was like, hey, you know, we'll do some fun and we just do long, we're talking over and I was like, Hey, what is something like this just on the spot? If you, we have a big screen display on, on the trade show. If you walk by, it will say, hey, Eric, you are the four focus guy. you walk by and say, hey, look, you are the four Tundra pickup jeep guy. And it got of crack. So people were like, oh, my God, you know, this is like, yeah, this AI of intelligence, AI.
0: Wow, um, that's fun.
1: Yeah, it will be a great idea, right? Then, then he said, well, give us some thoughts. Actually, she, she said, give us some thought and come back maybe with a real proposal. So I, I gave us some thought and said, hey, you know, is, I know this company will, will not only uh, require all their employees buy their own brand of car, You cannot buy a different brand of car. But even consultant, if I drive a different kind of car, I couldn't park in the parking lot at the park, like, I don't know where somewhere way off. So I was like, what if you gave me the data? I don't need to know the name. I just need to know a picture of them, their family, their faces, however, they want to post with their their vehicles and send it to me. So I got pictures of, of themselves posting with their car, their family in the car however they want to take it, give me all their pictures, and give me the, the, the label of the, the car that, that they actually are on, and I'll train it. And and basically see how well the model converges. Surprisingly, the model converges really well. So we do a few tests and get this interesting part of it, right? So we do a few tests within their power plant. We, uh, we set up camera and everything. People in, in, the, in the power plant walk by and say, hey, look at this. They look and they smile at it and say, ah, I think you are driving a full focus, you know, and, and we take note on it when it's right, when it's wrong. So in our model, we got 89% accuracies. Then later wow. on, we're to 94% accuracies, which is tremendous. And I'm happy, like, she was so excited. It's like the, the, the whole time working well, it's like, go ahead, do it. We'll, we'll pay for for the developments of that. And we need it for this day for our trade show.
0: Wow, that is uh, really I, fun.
1: Yes, but here, here's the interesting part. It failed.
0: <laughs> oh, really?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know what? Um, the story is that. So I'm in a trade show and we're really happy. It's, it's when, uh, four day before that. Prep the system. They even okay for me to to be there at a, a, a trade show, which is crazy, crazy. Big million people walking by. So we set up the uh, system and we do it. And of course, we we ask people politely. There's a button on the bottom. You say, am I correct am I wrong? It's you know, just two buttons, so let's see we can collect some data. So it turned out to be, we literally about only 46% correct in the threshold. But in the test case, we proved a 94% accuracy. So it's like, oh, dear, what do you do wrong? Did you hmm. is that something wrong? And it didn't occur to me until I looked at you know, the image I got wrong to to image that got correct, turned out to be in their bias, Eric, because the, the ethnicities and the people working that companies in, in Detroit, pretty much similar in terms of ethnicities and, and race, but mm-hmm. in the trade show, they got all kinds of pure dress, all kinds of different ways.
0: Oh, interesting. My
1: data set does not account for that. Right. Interesting. I wouldn't train on multi-international data set. I train on data set that people live and work in
0: Detroit. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. fat. I mean, again, going back to the point of, you know, even though you had a model that was working well with a certain data set, like you, yeah. you can't just apply that in any context and make it work.
1: Yeah. And I, I should know that. I mean, oh, it was such a tense time afterward. They, you know, my company I worked for at the time was not very happy with me. The client never happy with me no one happy with me <laughs> but but legally I'm okay because you know we set a baseline at doing the doing the, the show we the baseline is 76 percent accuracy. we're doing a lot math statistics in some of so that very good numbers sure I, I beat the baseline so you know it's a successful project deliverable per customer specs and, and the thing the odd thing is i, I I know, it, so after find out that problem, when I talk to my team, my team's like, no, don't, don't tell them that's the problem. Because I'm really would tell, hey, your company never diverse. No company want to hear that.
0: <laughs> right, 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 sure, sure. So,
1: so I, you know, I, I give them some general excuses on the model wasn't trained long enough and I need more extensive data, blah, 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 blah. Um, but it's always stayed with me as it's one of the real projects I'm working on that I thought is real successful. I, I, I dream of it at the beginning. I follow through, I code it, I work with some friends who deploying it. And in general have all a lot of fun throughout the whole process. Right? Because it's a fun thing, it's not like life and death thing that I worry about. Sure. Right. But when I thought for sure success, then like, ah, oh, and, and that leads to the mistrust of AI again, right? Oh, AI sucks. So like, sure, no, sure. AI didn't suck. Duke sucks. He didn't think about international data he's looking at in real world.
0: Sure. Well, I mean, I can just tell you that, Duke, that I really appreciate having an inside view into sort of the human elements behind AI and you just being very transparent and vulnerable and sharing that story. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are on time here, so let's get a little bit tactical. So again, some of our listeners, you know, what we've talked about will be old news to them, but we probably also have some listeners who have maybe dipped their toe in the water of AI, but would love to learn more. Where, where should they go to learn more? Where, if you want to get into the practical sort of, I want to try yeah. this out. How do you do that?
1: Yes, yes, I will answer a question, but I want to say something before that, which is AI is more difficult than web or mobile development. Because during those phase, anyone can go to a bootcamp for three to four months and become proficient in programming web or, or, or mobile uh, app. AI a little bit more difficult than that. So anyone telling you, go to my bootcamp and three months later, you become AI scientist. Most likely not true. Uh, So with with, with that said, is that the way I look at AI is more fun when you pick up a course or language that you can write code and program in from day one. A lot of people teaching AI say, hey, you need four years of college background information or doctor degree before you can jump in AI. Learn all the theory first. And as a researcher way back when in that Park, that's such a wrong way to do AI. So pick up something like uh, AI normally all start with, with Python. Mm-hmm. On top of Python, you have either TensorFlow or, or PyTorch, TensorFlow from Google, PyTorch from Facebook. On top of that, you have another layer you can build. You can use that directly to build your layer. But I too fast AI would sit on top of PyTorch and it's easier. Uh, because Jeremy Howard have excellent course on that. And they are free, by the way, online from UC uh, San Francisco. They teach you more than just memorization what all the terminologies and memorize how to do things. They teach you how to do it exactly in the coding, from coding point of view. So the way i keep explaining this to my colleague is that I say, this is not learning chess by memorizing all the move. This is by learning chess, by learning how each of the pieces are moving. You know the pawn go up to the root go horizontal, vertically the bishop go diagonally. So these fast AI or PyTorch will teach you how the act thing actually move. Then, then then you can learn. You know, oh, so this is a chess. You know, Romanian defense. I'm, oh, now I can learn that. It makes sense. You can learn. Oh, so this why different from linear algebra doing the the forest assessments. So. I think the best way to learn them is get to a good course and make sure that course is have more hand-on practice than theories, because theories do go outdated very quickly. I'll give you an example in the real technical example. In uh, neural network, the fit rate is something super important. If you got it wrong, your mind never got reusing. using. Three or four years ago, all, all AI scientists, we just like educated guess. On that, and it's just really bad. Like some success, some not bad. But now with fast AI, using uh, known no method, how to derive at the fit rates, and it's always converge. So something like you learned three years ago is outdated, or substantially updated before you can use it again with more success. So for anyone out there who want to learn AI, which like everyone should learn AI because it's it's a lot of fun to work with, but the field is so new. That nothing you can do is wrong. I mean, you can do whatever you want to do. You can invent new things. You can apply to different fields. Once you learn that, you can apply to your own professional field from music to, you know, to environment conservation. You apply to all those fields. Once you learn, you know, the basic how to build an AI model.
0: Sure. Well, that is uh, that's really helpful. It makes me interested in doing it. If I had gobs of extra time, I might oh, that uh, is true too. <laughs> <laughs> I might look into it two two more questions for you. So one is something that we talked about a little bit before the show, but some advice on hiring a data scientist or an AI scientist. Oh, uh, you've yeah. just seen so much of it is one. and then oh. after that the the last question I want to ask is about the future of AI, but we'll save that. so, yeah. Help us understand, especially for companies, and and I'm kind of thinking about maybe some of our listeners who are leading tech companies or who are in tech companies, and yes. they know that data science, having a data science practice in their organization could really help them accomplish yep. some things, but they, they don't have a data science practice inside the organization yet. So yep. what are your top pieces of advice for a company that's just starting on that journey?
1: Yes. Before I actually answer a question, I also like to say that if you're a company, you should start working on AI product now. And don't think of that product as something that revolutionize your business. Think of AI as something that can help you do better what you've already done, you know, even with your internal IT. So don't wait for AI to be omnipotent and all super smart and terminator type. Start AI now, try to apply AI in your company. Back to answer your questions. I have on so many interview, Eric, that so many people ask what I call the unicorn candidate. They need to know, I need to know everything about AI. And I keep telling them I'm only expert in artificial neural network, a subset of it. So I, I And they keep throwing term out to me. So a lot of time I just on doing the view on my laptop, my other laptop, typing on Wikipedia, so I can, oh, I remember that term now, I'll give them the answers. But there's no way to interview AI scientists. Look at their history, how much they've been worked on, what they've been published, what they've been write on about, you know, or their project that they put on GitHub. They give you a sense idea, but more importantly, looking for someone who, who you can communicate with. Because the first thing someone should say, should, should ask you when say, I want to do AI in my company is that, what's your baseline? You know, what is the thing you're trying to do? Do you have a baseline? Like flipping coin, do you have 50% your baseline? 75% your baseline, you know? So what is your baseline? What are you trying to do better than that? And AI science can help you come up with that baseline first. Then you think about, okay, how are you gonna be on top of it? Hire people in diverse team is always better than than every from academics or every from, from consultant field, for example have diverse team of of people, you do need a few who who are hands-on coding, right? Galap AI, we talk about like data, for example, anyone can talk about data and speak of what data biases is that. Our data set have this biases and all data have biases. So never try and get the data without biases, but all people will will have input in what that data is. So you should hire someone who yet who have technical programming experience, but also all kinds of people who have experts in their field to apply to AI. Because once you come up with a valid baseline, the perceived success of your AI when you launch a public, it really is a perceived success. It's not my model, you know, have been validated for 94% accuracy or 95% accuracy. It's how people are perceiving that. So having a diverse team in in your group is really really important when you put together a team for for AI. That mm-hmm. makes sense.
0: Very helpful. Very helpful. Yeah, and I mean that just sort of builds on your previous point around or your example from the uh, trade show at the automobile, right? <laughs> yeah. the, the, di- the diverse perspectives are really gonna really gonna help you. Oh yeah. Produce I nearly lost my
1: job on that one. <laughs>
0: I mean, that is an incredible story. I was, oh. you know, I was waiting for this, you know, grand conclusion. But you know, I <laughs> I always say that failure is a much better oh, teacher yeah. and the lessons last way longer than, Total. than success.
1: From now on, I never do a project without thinking oh, what's my data bias? How people on right. using the real world, right? The first thought pop in my head is that.
0: Sure. Well, we're about at time, but I think we can we can squeeze one more question in here. AI is, as you said, a fairly new field. What is it going to look like in 10 years, 20 years? And I know that technology is going to advance, but you know, we have really emphasized sort of the human components of AI and the people behind mm-hmm. it. So I'd love your perspective on as a consumer, how am I going to experience AI? You know, what, right. What's going to be revolutionary for me in my day-to-day life? Yeah. As a result of AI in ten or twenty years,
1: yeah. I think. In for me personally, I would love to have more AI-enabled system or or robots who help me to do my work. Not you know, for example, to do the work I don't like to do, right? You know, like cleaning the backyard. You know, those those sort of thing. But at the same time, I want not have input into the The future develop AI, so everybody have their input, so it won't be blindsided on just data bias on one group or one ethnicity so bad that by the time it launches, unfixable. So I think it should be AI would build by really by communities, right? So I will post my thing, I put it up there for like, hey, I tried this, it looked good, but guess what? You completely forgot about this part, or. It didn't build for this I like I don't want to tell them no it wasn't built for that it built for this so I think the future AI definitely are here and I it will be it will force upon us behind the scenes a lot of hidden AI gonna happen because I like it or not the business need to be more efficient so they mm-hmm. will use AI for that so there, it's outside my control and I use that company services you know like Google YouTube Twitter what have I use the company services so i will have to uh, uh, ingest those but i hope that in in the future more people get involved into the human aspect of ai so it's not built by you know by by a giant group somewhere who build terminator and boom they take over the world the next day it's more like hey guy let's fully understand what ai how how to build it and there are there are systems right now in in Amazon SageMakers to Microsoft Azure AI platform, they let you almost like drag and drop your component and they build AI for you. Mm. Um, the best thing about that at this stage is that it, it's really confusing to use and so limited. I wish in the future that someone actually build an AI behind it. So when I'm reading in a dashboard, I talk with an AI to build me an AI. Because right mm. now I'm talking with a GUI to build an right. AI, which is really not working out well. Sure. Uh, so I think of more for, for my work too, right? I will have more intact with those AI that I can tap on to, to, do, to do most of my work for me, enable me to do more creative things, more spend more time with family, do more fun things. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in a, one quick note, in attempt, I did try to write an AI to NLP to answer all my emails. I have like 10 plus years of email saved up, right? So I thought yeah, I can train a model how to answer my email. Oh, you. interesting. How cool is that, right? Yeah. You know what the bad thing is, Eric? I wrote horrible. I mean, uh, just email alone, I don't pay attention to grammatical error. Oh, it's a full grammatical error. Like, like, this system is not really smart. My AI is mm. stupid. Well, it talked like Duke, That why. <laughs> i like, hey, how about you? You automatically do an API called, uh, uh, a system called Grammarly which I use on a daily basis to correct the grammar, if I send out email, what have you, how about I feed all that through that I come back with perfect English. Then I say, well, wait a minute, that's no longer me talking then, right?
0: Mm. Sure. (laughs) Which brings us right back to the human element.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I think in the future, I really hope more people not afraid of AI, not mistrusting AI, and to get involved in it. You don't have to be AI scientist to get involved in it. You can involve in in gathering data, to data labeling, to look at biasing on data, to think about you know what, poss- what how this can be misused or what other more important what can be more useful, in in this sort of environment. So hey guy, if you can do that, can you do something like this in environmental world it would help.
0: Right? Sure. Um,
1: Like uh, for another quick example, my friend who wanted me to engage into conservation of, of the sega, which is one of the endangered species, who. People cut up their horn and sell them in the market. Can you do a quick AI that anyone can hold up the phone and say, hey, identify this is a Sega horn and not supposed to be here. You know, it's illegal. <laughs> and then let people know about it. And so like, yeah, I don't mm. think that's doable, right? So, so a lot of those, I want people more, more involved in AI. Don't you know? think of AI can do for you and reach out to people like myself who can, who can build an AI or teach people how to build an AI. And come up with those models, so that will be more good AI, or so-called ethical AI, than you know the evil Terminator AI behind the scenes sure, global
0: Sure. Well, you know we're we're inside of a decade away from twenty thirty, which is I think the the year in the Terminator movies. So maybe we'll see where we're at. <laughs> you know, closer to the end of the decade. <laughs> Well, Duke, this has been uh, this has been a really wonderful show. It was really refreshing. I mean we we love talking about the technical stuff. And I know we got a little bit technical today, but you know, I think it was really fun just talking about the theory and just sort of public perception around AI. And I think it's a really healthy conversation to have. And I think you bring a really helpful informed and balanced perspective. So uh, thanks for joining us on the show. And uh, keep us posted on uh, what you work on. If you come across anything cool, let us know and we'll have you back on the show to tell us okay. uh, some more good stories about AI.
1: I would love that. Thank you so much.
0: Well, that was a fascinating conversation. Duke has is very engaging and has some great stories to tell. I think that my biggest takeaway was that the more that you learn about how AI actually works I think the more that you can appreciate the difficulty of doing important things with it and sort of wielding the technology and the fact that there are lots of humans behind it that's a point that Duke repeated multiple times was that there are people behind the actual technology and code that's running the model and that's really important to keep in mind as we think about AI We'll talk more about AI and data and tooling in future episodes. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to get notified of new episodes of The Data Stack Show, and we will catch you next time.